This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Tim Stanovec. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's a weekly podcast bringing you a highlight or favorite interview from the week. And this week it is a, well, it's always good, Carol, but this week <laughs> is a particular good one. Arnold Donald, president and CEO of Carnival Corporation. He's head of the world's largest cruise line operator. He was one of the many leaders who joined us this past week for Bloomberg's The Year Ahead Summit, held virtually, of course. Of course. And Tim, we know one of the hardest hit industries by the pandemic, it's everything and anything to do with the travel sector, and most notably the cruise industry. So I talked with Arnold to find out what kind of year we can expect from the cruise industry in 2021 and what it's like to be called, got to tell you, a bellwether for the pandemic. We um, are a very resilient industry, I'm very blessed in so many ways um, in terms of um, everything that has happened and is going on. So I'm doing well. So I have to ask you, I was doing a lot of research and getting ready to talk with you. And so many times I would read Carnival. It's the bellwether for the stocks and companies that have been hit hardest by the pandemic. Everybody's watching you guys to get an idea of when do we start to get back to normal? So first of all, how does it feel to be a bellwether of this? And what are you, and, and what are you seeing in terms of what 2021 looks like? I'm not sure if we're truly a bellwether, but... Um it's been a tough time. It's a, t- it's a very yeah. difficult time for travel and leisure um, and obviously difficult time for cruise. You know, we voluntarily paused way back in March of 2020. And here we are in January of 21 and we're still not sailing. We've had a few sailings um, over in Europe, but, you know, very limited basis. So, you know, to have a business with no revenue for such an extended period of time, and a significant burn rate because obviously um, we have to keep our ships operational. You can't set these ships up. They're not airplanes. You can't just put them in a hangar. Uh, you have to continue to operate them. And so it's been very challenging. On the other hand, um, the company's proven its resilience. Our people have been fantastic. Uh, we have raised over $19 billion of capital in the past few months, all virtually. Nobody in an office, not our people, not the investors, not the bankers, not the lawyers. Um and so some extraordinary things have happened. Plus, we got 90,000 crew members, Carol, back home at a time right. when there were no flights. There were, you know, borders were closed, et cetera. So that was a major ordeal, not to mention in the early days, you know, 250,000 guests plus as well. Hey, what I wanted to ask you, Arnold, because I feel like go back a year ago, you folks, Carnival, the cruise industry was seeing, I think, the depth of the magnitude, the seriousness of what this virus was about, right? You were seeing it. Certainly you had passengers on the ship, you had employees you had to deal with. I just feel like you guys got an earlier window into how serious this could be. Do you feel like that there's any early windows that you are seeing right now that maybe the rest of the world is not? Yeah, I don't know if we really had an earlier window, but clearly we were impacted because um, when countries closed their borders, we had ships at sea because this was evolving. Nobody understood it. Um, People were shutting down and and we had to get people home. So that was a a major episode for us. um, And maybe that's what I mean. And and maybe that's what I mean is that you guys really felt the impact pretty quickly, pretty swiftly before a lot of other folks did and a lot of other industries did. I think our return, unfortunately, is probably going to be slower than others. Um, And uh, it's because we have so many. If you take a cruise, you go somewhere. So everyone talks about CDC, which, of course, is critically important uh, in terms of having, you know, the confidence of CDC for us to sail. But we have to go to destinations. Those destinations have to feel comfortable. 
Uh, and we're not going to be able to start all at once. We're going to have to stagger our start. We'll start with a few ships at a time, et cetera. And so we'll be slower coming back, but we will come back. And depending when um, is in the best interest of public health, you know, to sail uh, here in the U.S. and elsewhere in the world, um, we're cautiously optimistic, hopeful that we could have nearly all the fleet back sailing by the end of the year. Um, but obviously hotels and schools and other places where there is um, congregation of people um, are going are already happening. And so, you know, right. they're kind of in front of us in terms of being able to see when things are coming back to normal. Right. And just recently, I think on Friday and then also Monday, you guys announced some extending some of your pauses on your departures in the United States. So do me a favor, Arnold, take me to, you know, your first U.S. departure post-COVID. What does it look like and when do you, you know, fingers crossed, when do you think it might be? Yeah, well, those are great answers I would love, oh, great questions I'd love <laughs> to have the answers to. But the reality is, you know, what it's going to look like is... Um, you know, obviously, there's going to be enhanced protocols on board, um, health protocols, because in this time frame, even with the advent of vaccines, even with the acceleration of low cost, rapid, more accurate testing, even with the advancement of treatments, um, you know, COVID is still still out there and, and about and still impacting people. And so we're going to have to have elevated protocols for a period of time. Physical distance. What does that look? And, yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the good news is we've done it now and in Italy and, and Germany, for example. And so uh, the guests for the guests, they have a great experience, but they are wearing masks. You know, there is an attention of physical distancing. It looks like when you go to the grocery store, wherever you go now, and there's a little spot on the floor that says, you know, stand six feet behind the person in front of you or something, or in the airport right. or whatever. So so that's what, it you know, it's going to have those kinds of feels to it. But it'll still be a cruise. People will still be experiencing new places and new people and new destinations. Um, you know, we had our very high net promoter scores, you know, guest satisfaction scores on the cruises that we had in Italy and Germany. I have to say, and you know, you know, I spent some time with you guys, went on a cruise, just kind of went on an overnight. But, you know, part of the fun is there's a lot of people on those ships. I mean, they're massive. So I do wonder, does the new protocol mean that you have to limit the, the amount of passengers you have on a ship, at least for some time? Well, we'll have to see. I think um, initially that'll probably um, happen to a degree as we practice the, the protocols with the crew and get them used to handling everything. Uh, we certainly did that with our early sailings in Europe. Um, but the right. ships are vast, as you know. You've been on them, and so you know. And so the most important thing is not how many people, but in those situations where you can have a congregation of, of people, um, you know, is there adequate room for distancing? Can we distribute, which we can, for dining and other things, to have the physical space like you have in restaurants where and in places where you're allowed to eat inside in the U.S. today. And so there will probably be some limitation based on those types of things, but maybe not as much as people think. You know, um, our ships mm. initially will start slow, but um, chances are we'll be back to you know relatively full occupancy just with different practices. Are you going to require passengers who get on the ship? Are you going to require employees to get COVID tests? Are you going to require vaccinations? Oh. I'm just curious how that comes into play. Yeah, universal testing right now is required for the cruises. Um, absolutely, right. for the ones we are operating. Vaccines are new, and so we have to see where that evolves. And we're going to listen to the medical experts around the world, just as we have on everything else, um, you know, the science and, and medical experts around the world, and then determine what makes the most sense. 
um, you know, everything's still evolving, as you well know. Um, that you know, there's still a lot of questions and unknowns. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll do whatever's in the best interest of public health. And, um, and, and, you know, we don't want to do anything. We never have historically in the industry and in our company, certainly not, um, to do anything to compromise public health. And we certainly aren't in this situation. Is there a little part of you, Arnold, that is at all worried that 2021 looks a lot more like 2020 than maybe we're all setting up for? Well, here's the differences I see that cause me not to feel that way. I feel early on in 21. You know, obviously, we're having a 2020 hangover effect kind of a yeah. thing. And um, right, there's right. no question about that. Um, but we have vaccines. In 2020, we did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have some enhanced treatment um, protocols that most of 2020 we didn't have. Uh, we have much more testing availability and rapid testing and more accurate testing, which in most of 2020, we didn't. We have a much better understanding, although we're not fully knowledgeable about the virus. We have a much better understanding of the virus where in 2020 we didn't. And so when I look at all those things, you know, I see 21, you know, with with some optimism, but at the same time realizing we have to continue to, you know, let things evolve and study and pay attention to the science first. And then secondly, you know, to our societal ability to, you know, um, both function as a society and have people feel comfortable in that functioning. You mentioned at the top that you guys raised $19 billion. There was debt, there was equity raises. Um, that puts you guys in a great position. Uh, it's really pretty impressive. And, and do you feel like Wall Street has acknowledged your ability to do that? And I do wonder, do you anticipate that you, could, you, that you have to do any other kind of capital raises here in 2021? Well, you know, what we've said, you know, publicly, I've said at this point is we have raised over $19 billion and that gives us a runway. It gives us liquidity uh, to make it through all of 21 with zero revenues. So if we have no revenues for the full year, um, you know, with a pretty hefty burn rate, given the number of shifts we have and everything, we we can get through the year. So so that gives us time. And um, mm. in terms of, um, and we've already publicly stated we have additional capacity for debt. Um, obviously, um, as we move forward, we'll pay attention to the balance sheet, and if we determine it makes sense, we'll you know we can do additional equity raise if if we need to. So so we have some flexibility, which gives us confidence we can sort of weather the storm. And um, you know, it's not without sacrifice. It's not without some pain. Um, you know, some right. of that debt was raised at, you know, pretty aggressive rates and so on and so forth, given the time and what the markets were like at the time. The market today seems to be, you know, somewhat better and so on. But but the bottom line is, you know, it's not without pain, it's not without sacrifice, but it was necessary. This was um, a global pandemic. I mean, it, it was a, a major event that shut down right. travel in the world and, and um, we're, we're in the travel business. So, um, so, you know, we don't, because I'm, I take it as matter of fact and, you know, don't think that it wasn't painful. It wasn't difficult. My people had to do unbelievable work to pull all this off. Mm-hmm. Um, but it proved the resiliency of our company and we feel we're positioned to weather the storm and come back out. And, and once, you know, this is more under control globally, um, we'll be right back to the happy days we were at before. 
So I am curious what metric you and your team, Arnold, kind of focus on when it comes to the pandemic. I mean, we talk about cases, hospitalizations, obviously the death rate, but we have seen, I think, some of the case numbers and the hospitalizations, albeit they're at pretty rough levels, but they've come down a little bit. Is that the thing that will ultimately determine how quickly you guys can get back to operational? I don't think it's so much the number of cases. I think it's society's relative comfort that is under control. That Mm. number one, if you get it, that you are at much lower risk than people have feared up to this point because you have a vaccine or because there are treatments, et cetera, or just because people know many people have had it and seem to get through it. But but a lot of this is, is societal risk. The second thing, is, as I mentioned, with the advent of the vaccines, with the acceleration of testing, with the advancements in treatments, you know, mitigating the consequences from having COVID is the big right. thing. So you may still have cases, it's a virus, it's like a cold or a flu, or, you know, so, you know, you may still have lots of cases, but if it's not flooding the ICUs, if it's not consuming all the beds in the hospital, if it's not putting the general population at great personal risk of permanent health damage or worse, um, then I think you know people will will kind of come around. Oh, and then you layer on top of that all the layers of prevention, mitigation of spread, so on and so forth that you know we would incorporate um, in our business and, and crews because you know we've had to deal with viruses, Carol. You know we've had right. to deal with you know Ebola and SARS mm-hmm. and MERS and Zika and so on through the years and, and we know how to do that. Um, you know, we have to, you know, learn how to do this one, but go ahead. Yeah. Well and I do wonder no, 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 forgive me. I mean I could talk for an hour with you. You know, I do wonder too is if somebody like in your planning, when you guys get back to normal, we're not going to totally eradicate this virus. We know it's going to take a while for right. that. If someone if someone gets it on a ship, what will you guys do? Will you quarantine that individual? Will you get them off the ship right away? Like I, I'm curious what the playbook might be on that going forward. Yeah, we have we have you know extensive protocols. So for example, right now, and again, these will change as you know uh, yeah. uh, everything changes, vaccines, treatments, and so on. But right now, everybody's universally tested a PCR test before they go on board for the for the sailings we have. Um, once on board, there's physical distancing, mask wearing, et cetera. If someone shows symptoms, okay, there's additional medical screening and all that beforehand. But if someone shows symptoms, then immediately, you know, we, we encourage everybody to self-report. But, you know, we're observing if anyone shows any symptoms, they immediately, um, they we actually have testing on board um, in, on those right. ships now, uh, both uh, PCR and antigen testing. And so, you know, we'll, we'll test, but immediately, even with symptoms, the individual is isolated. Um, we look at close contact tracing. Um, and so you know, the rest of the ship is fine because if you can mitigate the risk of spread, then, then you're in good shape. And so so that's what we do. And then we monitor along the way. But we also, if someone does test positive, obviously, you want to get them you know, to proper care. And so you, mm-hmm. you, you want to get them off the ship. You do the close contact tracing. Um, you, you know, isolate or have the others, you know, uh, leave the ship that, you know, have been in close contact, you know, extended period of time, enough time to get a viral load, um, whatever. And then you continue to sail and you continue to monitor. So, you know, full time monitoring, and paying attention. But the reality is that if it's in the community at large, you know, it's going to be on 
ships and yeah. planes and wherever you go. It's just going to be there. And so the question is, what layers do you have to mitigate the risk of spread? Um, because even with testing, as you well know, it depends on the timing of the test. I guarantee. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's different. Some people manifest in a few days. Some manifest later. Some are asymptomatic. Some have, you know, extensive symptoms and so on. And, and even with extensive testing and everything, you know, you can still have the occurrence of someone, you know, with the virus. So the key is, you know, mitigating the spread. So we've talked about, as you said, we're, we've got to kind of wait to see how this year plays out and the fragility really of kind of our environment overall. And it's not just for the cruise industry, but for everything. We're just kind of taking it day by day. When we talk about fragility, I feel like the first two weeks, the first week of this year, the political yes. chaos created a whole other layer of fragility. We just have a couple more minutes, but I'd be remiss if I didn't kind of get you to weigh in. And I do think about how you saw that and what's the responsibility of leaders in corporate corporate America in terms of helping us through this division. And I do wonder, Carnival, are you guys still doing political contributions? Have you pulled back at all, like we've seen with other companies? Yeah, so first of all, you know, we've examined the political contribution, but let me just start with the beginning. First, you know, the things that happened originally at the Capitol, um, you know, obviously um, our, my feeling personally is, you know, those people involved in that, anybody that promoted, instigated, collaborated, you know, cursed, whatever, that activity, um, the full yeah. brunt of our laws should be enforced with, with those people. Now, having said that, you know, I think Americans and people more broadly in the world have just gone through one of the most trying years ever. 2020 was hard for everybody. And mm-hmm. I really feel that it's past time, you know, for us to focus on what really matters and come together to deal with it. First and foremost, we have this health crisis. You know, we, we have a major economic challenge. And clearly, we need to continue to work on elevating our standards of social justice. And that's not just in the U.S., it's worldwide. And so it's past time that we all come together to, to really in earnest work on those things. Yes, we may have different points of view. And that's the beauty of travel. You know, travel right. brings people together, who, as you well know, who are so different from each other. And then they discover mm-hmm. what they have in common so they can celebrate the differences, you know, as opposed to fear them. And, and, and we just all really, truly, I know it, it sounds like motherhood and apple pie, but but it's so clear to everyone that right, we need right. to come together and work on these issues for real. And yes, there are going to be some differences of opinions, but that doesn't mean we can't work together to figure out solutions. All right. So then in terms of political contributions, because we know companies can say a lot by what they say or do. And I'm just curious, have you guys made any decision about backing off on political contributions to candidates? No, not, not particularly. First of all, you know, we haven't funded a lot of, you know, that in the first place. Um, um, But the bottom line is this, you know, we're going to look at things as we always have. We're not single issue type people. You know, we we don't support based on a single issue because, you know, things are more complex than any one issue. Okay. So having said that, we'll, we'll, we'll study very carefully, but I can tell you right now, if there's anyone that, and there are a few out there, that that have supported the you know fragmentation of our society, that are encouraging 
um, you know, behaviors that like we saw, then obviously they're not going to be getting contributions um, from me individually or from the Carnival Corporation more broadly. One last question I want to ask you, what will be the ultimate cost of this year? And what big lesson have you learned this year that you're going to, that's probably going to stay with you as a leader? You know, it's been so many negative things. The, the thing that is positive that will stay with me is how our guests, you know, our, our job is, you know, number one, compliance, environmental protection, and the health, safety, and well-being of our guests, of the people in the mm-hmm. communities we touch, and of course, our crew and our shoreside personnel. So that's not job one. And we do that so we can then exceed guest expectations by giving them a holiday, you know, that that is their dream. And so in that regard, the comments we got, the letters, the emails, the everything we got from guests asking about our crew, caring about our crew, caring about the company, um, that that human spirit, which is so defining for our business, you know, getting that was so inspirational to me. I mean, you know, someone brought tears mm-hmm. to your eyes because they're so caring because in the end, we're people business, we're hospitality business. People remember on the cruise, they remember the people, the other guests, right. the crew, et cetera. And so that is the big, you know, I knew it, but seeing that outpouring in a moment of real challenge was so encouraging. And our people work like crazy to, to take care of things. And, um, uh, you know, so that that's my big takeaway. There's a bunch of negative things and all kinds of stuff. All right. You know, I, I like I like focusing on the positive, Carol. That was Arnold Donald, president and CEO of Carnival Corporation, head of the world's largest cruise line operator. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Find more of our conversation on our podcast feed. Download it at Bloomberg.com. And be sure to listen to our Bloomberg Business Week daily radio show, airing live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. Watch us, too, on our daily broadcast on YouTube. Just search Bloomberg Global News and catch Tim on Bloomberg Quick Take, available on Bloomberg.com slash QT and streaming platforms like Roku, Apple TV, Samsung TV, and more. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Tim Stenevec. This is Bloomberg.